I had thought maybe the the girl who's on the board, because it seemed like oh clearly Ford had some info from her, but then I don't know, but then she was banging that other robot. The other so robot, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, I think maybe the security guy could be. Mm. The third Hemsworth. Yes, the third Hemsworth, possibly. And I find it, I, I think it would be interesting if um, there is a robot Teresa. Perhaps not, the, not like the human Teresa, but a robot Teresa on top of a uh, human Teresa. So you're saying like that maybe she gets replaced with a robot now that she's well, no spoilers. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, oh, we're not recording. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we're recording, but this won't go in. Th- okay, we should start the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And let's let's start the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. Hey, everyone. Sad day. Welcome to Chapter 10, our season finale. Uh, I was just telling Chris before we started recording, but it bears repeating. This season flew by. Um, yep. it went by yeah, it, it, went, it went by really quickly. We are just talking about how, you know, at this point in time, we're gearing up for... You know, the final episode before Thanksgiving, which I think is typically this week. I don't think they normally record the week before Thanksgiving. Is that right? Or do they? Sometimes I feel like they did, but I I, I, I think they did sometimes because I, in the past, because I remember trying to record from home once with you. Maybe so. I feel maybe like a lot early, of people listen on. during traveling, um, but yeah. maybe it was day of traveling or something like that. But yeah, it was always kind of fun to have a little bit of a break and then come back and have those episodes to look forward to. So I'm going to miss that for sure this year. But that being said... Like we've talked about so much, this 10-episode arc has been much more tight and um, smooth, Coherent. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, so going forward, what do you think? Do you think they're going to stick with a 10-episode format? I hope so, because it really trimmed a lot of the excess off that they would have thrown into pad episodes uh, and have like one or two episode one-off or two-off episodes of certain characters that don't really matter to the bigger picture. Yeah, um, I think I think I, I even though sometimes those have been fun, rarely do do they make it worthwhile for the whole season. So I do kind of hope they stick with the ten episodes because uh, they force them to be much more uh, um, calculated with and uh, with their uh, with every word they write on the page when they're putting together the story. Would, I, do you think so too? Agreed. I do think that most of the time those, yeah, you know, we have constantly complained about there being too many stories to handle. Um, I, and, you know, I think of those tangents they end up taking, there's only a few that really stick out in my memory as being ones I particularly appreciated. Among them is the episode from Freak Show that was all about Pepper. And her like mm-hmm. uh, background, I thought that was a that was an excellent one. That might have even been my favorite episode of that season, or one of them, one of the top ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, otherwise, yeah, they kind of just seem yeah. It makes everything else seem choppy. And I think maybe if they had done it that way, where you know they were investing one episode into like a totally off-topic but tangential, interesting story, that would work. But instead, when it's thirteen episodes, it just seems like they try to cover every story in every episode, and it seems like hard to keep up with everything that's going on exactly 
Oh, but that being said, yeah. So I think we're both in favor of the 10 episodes. Um, before we really dive into this episode 10, the season finale, uh, I want to um, first, I guess, uh, thank everybody so much for joining us on Facebook this year throughout the season at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story and sending us your messages with all your great theories and comments. Um, really, it's fueled a lot of the conversation we've had on this podcast and, and on even on you know the posts we've had on the wall and the stuff you guys have shared. It's been a really great community experience, and that's what the show's kind of built on, um, American Horror Story, but also our podcast in, in turn. So we really yep. appreciate appreciate you guys for that. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly, um, in the off-season, too, would, uh, would love you to keep posting. And for you to also, you can always email us, too, at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com if you want to, I don't know, reach out to us personally, and we'll respond to that as well. Um, to wrap things up, you know, for this season, we would love you to go jump on iTunes and let us know what you think and give us a rating and review. We really appreciate that as well. Uh, but without further ado, I think we should really get talking because I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. Oh boy! Um, what are you drinking? Let's let's kick things off like normal. Yep. What are you drinking? You know, you know, I I couldn't end without bourbon and cider. That's Ditto. that's a classic. Cheers. 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 <laughs> now, the, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about this. What did you think of the, we called the cold open, although it was, the cold open hasn't quite felt like the cold open without the great credit sequence. That's probably one, I will say that's one of my biggest disappointments this season was not having a credit sequence. And I think that maybe that was a product of it being like a surprise and kind mm-hmm. of the format's changing so much from, you know, it being My Roanoke Nightmare to Three Days in Hell to whatever we want to call this last episode. But I really do miss the creepy opening. Um, it was fun to to have those different, see what the changes were, what the image imagery would be. Um, I do, I mean, yeah, you. The reason they didn't do it this season was because they wanted us to feel like we were watching a different show, right? Which, was, That's which true. worked. But they I did. do, I do gotta. If they went back and did this, I w- it would be kind of cool to see what they would do. Maybe that would be really fun if they just did that as a one-off, like an online exclusive type thing, yeah. like a credit sequence. Yeah, we're gonna throw that out there, guys. If anybody's listening, we'd love to see it. Yeah, I'm sure someone's already put it together. But yeah, I, I before we, we jump into the opening thing, I divided. I looked at this, and there was one, two, three, four, five, six different versions of like shows, kind of that were that were done mm-hmm. uh, with this uh, in this episode. And the first one we get is the kind of. The introduction to the My Three Days in Hell uh, at Paley Fest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, big film festival for TV fans. I kind of enjoyed that aspect throughout this. It was, you know, we've, we've already had that going on all season with the different, basically all the different lenses through which you can view entertainment, you know. Um, and I think that they were definitely in this final episode trying to highlight that with all the ones they mashed together. Um, whether or not that worked, we'll discuss kind of as things go on. As for this opening scene, uh, I had to say I kind of liked it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun to take that walk back in the past a little bit and not only to see all our characters who died, um, but also to revisit some of the characters that um, the actors that we hadn't actually seen since, you know, uh, the second half of the season, my or three days in hell, 
aired. Um, you know, Leslie Jordan, Dennis O. In, in, throughout this whole episode too, I really liked that they brought like Dennis O'Hare back, and they had those little cameos. They were it was fun winks to these actors who were we enjoy so much. Um, Leslie Jordan is always one of my favorites, so it was great to see him come back. What did I you was think so happy to see him. Yeah, yeah, I was so happy to see him. Uh, the only thing I would add to that is it was really enjoyable to see the interactions or the dynamic between some of the characters like the glances or the the way they acted just knowing having the knowledge of how they died or who they actually were as people at this point it was cool that was great because you were right because it was like we got that the what we saw in the house like um basically blown up we saw in like a micro scale here mm-hmm. you know you see you see audrey kind of like stepping on uh Shelby's fandom, like thinking yep. that she's more Shelby than Shelby is. You see Agnes being kind of desperate. Um, you see, you know, Rory being kind of like a spontaneous kind of airhead, I guess. And then in turn, Audrey kind of not being sure about him, just going not being to happy that fans. he's going to go hug some ladies. And then you, see, yeah, and you see kind of the bad boy. Um, Dominic a little bit. I guess mm-hmm. we didn't really get anything from Matt in that sequence. He just well, he sat there like his reserved self. Yeah, Matt and Monet were the two we really didn't get anything from of kind of our core there because then of course you have the Lee part where the girl from us from from London connects with Lee and and that's kind of our lead into this whole episode right. being focused on Lee. Uh, and speaking of that, what did you think of this next transition with the with YouTube and? Um, this is kind of our method for getting background on what happened uh, post right. Three Days in Hell, kind of between Three Days in Hell and the trial that comes after. I thought it was pretty uh, effective. It was fun. It was an interesting way to, to transition from from A to B, and I like that they're trying to be incredibly relevant, as this show tries to be, uh, as far as current uh, trends go. And this is there's YouTube critics everywhere on and YouTube uh, super fans who do post their reviews on everything from, I don't know, like lipstick to movies and TV shows and sports teams, you know? So I thought I thought it was a fun... And I also like that we were introduced to her at Paley Fest, and then we get her YouTube video, uh, and then we get, obviously, uh, the opposite side of a uh, super fan of Lee. We get the uh, enemy of Lee, and that's uh, uh, the Polk a lot, Boy. lot the Polk Boy. Uh, man, he was creepy. Um, and we've seen and heard about those videos with mass shootings, so that surprisingly doesn't come as much of a shock anymore. Not a shock, but it was certainly dark. Disturbing, yeah. Yeah, disturbing in that sense. Um, because we know that that shit really goes down. Well, and I think that it was, it, you make a good point that it was a very interesting juxtaposition to kind of get that fun, like somewhat light-toned, you know, fan review followed up by this, like, coked-up, um, face, you know, mass shooting rant. White man. Um, yep. It was, yeah. It it, it kind of was a little bit chilling, and we move there into this retrospective montage that they called "Cracked," or it was. But I, I mean, it felt very, you know, like a TV show about a courtroom. But the her story had very much like a like we talked about, kind of like a making. A murderer or these other true crime aspects to mm-hmm. it. definitely um, true crime. I want you to talk a little bit about everything. Yeah, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your impressions from as we kind of go through this whole review of the trial and we hear from the attorney general and um, the jury members and all this stuff. 
Right. Yeah, we're just kind of getting the talking heads a bit here in, in the um, throughout the court case. Uh, initially, uh, Lee was acquitted of uh, the murders of the three people that they charged her with at the at, at, in Roanoke, which were um, the one guy, the kid, uh, Finn Wittrock's character, which was Jether, Jether, um, Mama Poke. Mama Polk, and then um, the boy, the that was the, with the the camera with. Um, oh, the, the the one the one who was with Taisa Formiga, who was one of the blog. Yeah, I can't guys. remember what his name was, but the yeah, kid yeah. that was in Glee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I think those are the three that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Cool. So okay. yes, so she was acquitted of those um, because they found a trace of some crazy stuff in the weed that uh, that the Pokes were growing, so they she said was, she was under it influence. really was the magic dragon there. She was hallucinating, yeah. So, and then they had one of the jurors come on and say, like, you know, like, listen, I'm, like, I can't, she was on drugs and stuff like that, and her daughter was gone, I can't, can, and, and then, uh, okay, well, I'm jumping ahead, I think. I think this is when we're actually going to. So she gets, she's acquitted from that, but then she gets charged with um, the murder of Mason. Mason. And in that and that's the case when in court, uh, Flora takes the stand, and Flora says as a night witness that she saw her mom, Lee, kill the dad, Mason, with a rock because the dad mm-hmm. was going to take Flora away. So Lee picked up mm-hmm. a rock, and we see a reenactment of it. And then this is where the jury jurors come in, and they're kind of split on it. Uh, and then the one juror says, "Like, listen, I'm not going to uh, convict a woman of murder based on ghost stories, because that's because Flora talks about Priscilla, because that was um, uh, Lee's attorney's question, and Lee whispered to her attorney, "Hey, ask her about Priscilla, and that will get her testimony will be like totally wacky." And it's you Which know it's up. it is and it could because basically what we're seeing here is Lee intentionally not only manipulating but publicly embarrassing her daughter for what she thinks is the greater good which is her being free but it's like it, you know it's kind of productive to this message she keeps putting forth about how everything is right. for the greater you know for for Flora right. um, in order to achieve this she's going to make her seem like she's making making shit up in the forest. Um, one, you know, through all this, there's a lot of everyone's speculating about whether or not, which is interesting, whether or not the murders were real of all these people. Um, that seems to be kind of the fan, at least with like the characters, um, in terms of the girl talking on YouTube and stuff. But obviously, they've determined that a lot of these people are dead if she's being charged with some of these other, other murders and stuff. But, but there, obviously, no one's sure whether or not the spirits are real. Right. So it seems like everyone's still the circumstance of everyone's death is still kind of murky, and maybe it seems like they were attributing it to this PCP and the marijuana or whatever the uh, hallucinogenic seems to be. But you don't get any. One thing that I was disappointed about overall is that um, we had after Matt had his fling with the Wood Witch, right? Mm-hmm. He came back to Roanoke for the Wood Witch. Mm-hmm. Lee came back to you know Lee had her kind of a weird thing with the Woodwitch too, but came back to Roanoke for Flora. Mm-hmm. But it seems like she should have also had some kind of weird Woodwitch connection here. Um, I don't know if that she ate like that 
Borhart or whatever, it seems like that some kind of spell should have been cast at, was cast on her if we're looking at the past, but it, I feel like that was never addressed again. Do you mean when she went back um, the at the end? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that I one of my questions. Well, I have a question for you when I get to that when we get to that part. Yeah, so I was the the fact that we didn't have the Woodwitch throwback or any reference to her again in terms of her having some kind of control over Lee. I felt like it was a little bit of a disappointment because that's where we were kind of leading. The other thing that it was kind of a disappointment, I'll just talk about now while we're covering things is that I thought we, I think we both talked about this. We would have you, I think, predicted we would have Mason return because mm-hmm. um, we had seen him for just a very brief second yep. at the very beginning. I think in the first episode of the section that was three days in hell, um, and I was certain that he was going to come back and kill Lee once she went back to the house. That mm-hmm. that, and like Flora was leading her back for that or something, but no, no call. Which is interesting now because she's dead and living in the same woods Mason is dead in, so. They're going to have to interact somehow, I guess. <coughs> Excuse me. In this whole um, true crime sequence, I would say that I um, I really enjoyed the cuts to the like grainy courtroom tape. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've really appreciated this season is how they've been so spot on in like, the different cinemagraphic ways they were kind of depicting all these different types of... They tried to be as accurate as possible, yeah, yeah, with uh, mimicking how the style of each way something has been filmed. And yeah, I agree. Like the cracked TV show, the the even like down to like the the festival, and then obviously the way Lana Winters special was lit and the filter they used or whatever it was, it it was definitely like different styles. So this was a very ambitious uh, style or device to try to take on to tell this story and did it pay off did it not pay off that's we'll talk about that at the end but I, I i really appreciate the ambition to try to tell one episode in like five different tv shows or four different tv shows yeah. and, and and whatever the other stuff they use it's pretty cool right now the lana winners interview there's a lot of interesting thing you know we find, you know, get this. This is happening. We know in the timeline we discussed this is happening in the timeline after Lana had already confronted Bloody Face Jr. and killed him. Mm-hmm. Right. So we know this is happening afterwards. She's been in retirement. She's coming back because Lana is the only person Lee would agree to have an interview with. Right. I like in the opening credits um, for her show, they have images of Briarcliff. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And we learn, you know, that Lee has sold a best selling book. That she is a big, you know, big on the talking circuit, but her problems communicating with Flora continue. And so, you know, we get this questions. I think that um, the way Lana puts it is that questions linger about her guiltiness. And this is, I mean, in that very way, it seemed like a nod to the OJ trial and, of course, mm-hmm. to the American crime story that came earlier this year. Um, what did you think of this? Interview. We know that they, that Lee is back in court fighting for custody, um, and they had an interesting dynamic. I kind of thought. What do you mean? Like with whom? With Lana? Yeah, Lana and Lee. Lee and Lana. Yeah. Well, um, I, I thought it was it was good. I mean, in in their conversation, Lana's like, "Why why are you doing this?" And Lee's like, "What do you mean?" Lana says, "You know, you turned down everyone else. Why did you pick me to do the interview with?" And that's because Lee says. 
you get it. You, you know, you've been through something like me, so you would kind of understand what it's like. But the way Lana goes after her, she knows a, a little bit that there's probably some flaws in the, the, the words or the truth that Leah's been trying to speak, because there were with Lana as well. But she tries to pull out of her the whole custody battle, but then drops a huge bomb in the whole uh, conversation when she says, Lee, where's Flora? And she's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? What do you mean? Where's Flora? An hour ago, she was reported missing from her grandparents' house. Where is she? And that's when I was like, oh, shit. This is stuff's about to go down now. I'm excited. Because at, at this, you know, before this, it had been just kind of like backtracking and some exposition in cool, unique ways. Uh, and now we're kind of at the point where I feel like we're at the, 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 the here and now. Like, here's where we hit present before we launch off into the crazy stuff that's about to go down. So that was cool. And then as this is going down, you hear that assault rifle start going off in the background. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it's getting crazy now. I got I was starting to get really excited. What, what were you thinking during all this? I thought, yeah, I thought it was a great twist. I think that it was especially effective after we have Lee speaking directly to the camera, to Flora, kind of, you know, earnestly trying to win her back, you know. We know that they've had a troubled dynamic ever since she chased her out of the, you know, we had heard the revelation in the courtroom, and she tried to chase her down after the trial, and and basically Flora got in the car and was fled away. Um but I thought it was certainly an exciting device and it's something I didn't expect. I almost thought that this most of this episode was going to be that interview. Me too. Um, so I and thought some flashbacks it, it, or something. Yeah, yeah. So it took an unexpected turn, and I appreciated that. Um, definitely, when I heard those gunshots, I knew immediately that it was Lot. But then yep. I also thought that Lot had had Flora with him. That maybe mm. he'd kidnapped Flora, and that was part of his revenge plan. Um, clearly, he was not bright enough to work through that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that that whole section was quite, uh, like we said, this uh, um, a little bit disturbing. He just comes into the room and is firing everything up, and especially in kind of this era of mass shootings, um, especially in you think media shootings. I don't know about you, but this made me think of that. Whatever uh, Christine the, is that the one that happened when they were reporting live and out of the van and they got shot. Yep. Um, but that yes, and so that was pretty hit home pretty hard and that you know that's it sends a chill down your spine um and then of course you have lana trying to talk reason into him um but the guy you know he can't comprehend and just nails her in the face with the butt of his gun but um yeah and then the cops took him right out after that and this was all very very fast paced mm-hmm. um and I still don't even know how I feel about it. I think that, in, you know, it was very exciting, but it also seemed like it happened so fast. It was like we learned chop, chop, chop. You know, we have the interview, and then all of a sudden we learned Flora is missing, but that's a separate thing than this shooting that's going on. Um, it was a lot to take in. It, it was. was. It was very quick. It happened quickly. And I think I wrote down, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I think the shifting point is when Lee says to Lana, like, you got to be like you killed your own son bloody face and she says bloody face too which i thought was really cool like it's part of this universe and lana's face sarah paulson's so great she actually like glances at the camera just like just shifts her eyes briefly to the camera and looks into it and has this kind of uh i I couldn't tell if she was like looking at her producer or looking like to the people of america being like like 
just just pure emotion and that but with such subtlety and then shifts right back and that's where she goes for the attack of like where is where's flora mm-hmm. anyway what i thought is what i think is so interesting also about that exchange is that it almost seems like at the time when lee says that to lana lana's defensive and it's like and it's, you almost feel like she's thinking in her head yeah no we're not the same this, these are two entirely different things. Where's your daughter? But then when they end up interviewing Lena later on the newscast, um, when Lee is holed up in the house with Flora, mm-hmm. it, it seems like Lena's come a little bit full circle, and she talks about them kind of being kindred spirits and you know having this resilience, and she's almost come to admire Lee, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so let's talk about the controversial episode of Spirit Chasers they end mm-hmm. up airing. And we've had a lot of those title cards mm-hmm. uh, throughout this season, which is, I mean, and I think it's intentional, where we have these that are like, this was never meant to air, this brutal footage. But hey, we're going to do it anyway, because it gets, yep. you know, views. There's um, so much footage left behind at this place. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Um, so... Clearly, these spirit chasers are kind of based on a um, pretty typical ghost-chasing shows that are all over TV. In fact, I even Googled this. There is a actual spirit chasers group that really uh, does operate out of Northern Virginia, I think, or something like that. Um, I don't think they have their own TV show, though. Maybe There's a group here called uh, the Ladies um, Investigative paranormal society l-i-p-s lips is what they call themselves it's pretty cool really yeah what do they do they actually like uh, yeah they go like try to channel spirits and stuff and go to haunted and it, areas and film it um i don't know really actually i'm not sure one of my students did a report on them or a, a news piece on them I, don't I mean, clearly it's a thing. I mean, clearly it's a thing, um, and there's a, a, an audience for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would like I, the the spirit chasers thing that in in this show is pretty spot on to like ghost hunters, like with complete with like the shitty graphics, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the voiceover. The voiceover. Yeah, yeah that was, was making me. Think I liked it. Too. We're all familiar with these like... shows, even if we haven't like seen full episodes. Like you're, you're familiar with it enough, so I thought that they were very accurate. Again. When they try to like mimic this style of uh, of television, totally. And I love that they brought Leslie Jordan yes, back. So happy to see uh, him again. He was fun, and of course, he got oh my god, really murdered when by he the yells Croatoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. That was very. That was very. I, I I actually thought this whole sequence was really entertaining. Yes, I agree. Um, you, you know, we start with like the very innocuous stuff that like you actually would see in like a mm-hmm. ghost hunters type episode where it's like, oh, there's this mysterious sheet that's like fluttering or there's a weird uh, heat pattern in the wall and the storm slams in the middle of the night or something like that. And then we quickly, I loved how we quickly moved from that to like brutal murder once Lee showed up and she's like, you guys are idiots. Get out of here before people get killed. Oh shit. Leslie Jordan just had his chest chopped open by pigman yeah we went, didn't she tell one she told one of the guys like you know these ghosts are just gonna like rip that frat boy smile off your face <laughs> she was channeling a little bit of that monet yeah uh playing lee sass you got the lines from <laughs> yeah that was yeah. good that was good um but when uh, we showed up man. i have a question for you what did you think when we saw her there on the blood moon again <laughs> 
So that's why I, when when she showed up and she had those hollow eyes, I thought that it had something to do with the wood witch. Me too. I thought that she was like possessed again. Like I was like, is she the butcher's assistant or like the the new butcher or like whatever it might be? And but I yeah, think that's maybe why. And maybe that I think that's maybe why I was disappointed that we didn't have a callback there because that seemed like a great some way to tie that in. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she was already tied in. With, yeah, such so tied in with the wood witch and stuff it seemed like it would have been hard to make that part of the story but i did like how one of the chens killed one of the, the spirit dude. chasers yeah um and i think there was i think the butcher killed one maybe two and then all those arrows rained down i think yeah was that from the the roanoke colony are they the ones who shoot arrows i can't remember if it's them or if it's the uh the hunters but it's probably the roanoke people because bow and arrow the hunters had shotguns yeah yeah so yeah we have the uh the the Roanoke people get the two cops, the the taller, like kind of like good looking guy, and the cameraman with the arrows. Uh, yeah. The butcher gets Tracy, the girl, and yes. uh, the and we get a pretty good look at her too. There, yeah. Um, I I uh, I I love how we don't. You know, I want to see the butcher more often, but I'm so glad we don't because it makes her that much more effective and scary. Like. You know, we've only seen her twice, kind of, maybe three times, sort of, um, mm-hmm. in the real life butcher. You know, uh, and it, it was—it's just so spooky. Like, you know, you know how in horror movies or scary movies or monster movies, you don't reveal your monster until the end, and even then, you want to use it sparingly because you see it enough times and you become desensitized to it, and then it's not as effective and scary. I thought they d- did that really well with the butcher. Not only the butcher, but I think it was very effective with the creepy nurses mm-hmm. who you only ever see walking in pairs, like from a distance. Yep. Even with the Chens, who you kind of just see in like quick cuts. Yep. Um, the one gripe I have that we didn't really get explained was the friendly ghost Edward Mott, who apparently lives in the basement, but sometimes will screech if you like catch him in his bad mood going through that tunnel. Yeah. Um, the fact that we never addressed that. Um, bugs me a little bit I guess because <laughs> it seems like all the other ghosts are like horrible killers yeah I yeah I don't know like he was he was kind of a lame ghost like he was just in the tunnel and he was just wanted to be by himself <laughs> like yeah. he wasn't trying to kill anyone ever and he only helped the uh, Lee and um, Shelby escape that one time because she or he didn't want anyone around. He didn't want them to die on the property and become a ghost there. That's true. I guess that he was a... Uh, he was a keep-to-himself ghost. Sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Um, we go from here to the next day, obviously, and get, like... This is when we transition to the next... The lens, news reports. Which is, which is the news reports. Um, and you, you kind of get the 24-hour news network type thing yep. when there's some standoff or little uh, you know something along these lines um there's a lot of fun things i i liked about this broadcast like the dennis o'hare interview i thought was funny where he he like he he you know all these they make such a point to show how what a big ego all these actors have oh totally like, i love that he's like the, he, you know he totally goes off subject and is talking about how he had that email chain that he could show them if he wanted to about how he was invited back to the show but he yeah. decided not to go back to the show yep yeah, and uh, the host or the reporter was like, so like you knew Lee, right? And he's like, well, we met one time um, at the at the Paley Fest, uh, 
uh, and she was wearing something, whatever. Like he, like he could only talk about the the one or two most her superficial clothes. things that he knew yeah. about her, and yet he was the yeah, yeah. guest of uh, that had the most uh, interaction with her, which is hilarious. And and they'll, yeah. they'll they jump at that. They'll, they, these actors jump at that anytime they get a chance to be on TV, right? Yeah, totally. No, I thought that that was a a good little cameo there for him, and then. Um, I, the smarmy newscaster who's interviewing Lana was also very entertaining. Oh God, he was like so douchey. Airhead anchor, yeah. Yep. Um, enjoyed that as well. Uh, and so I liked. I have to say, I liked all of this up until we cut to we cut back to like the real life, like what's happening, like as a TV yeah. show, as a like we've seen American Horror Story filmed. Right, so final scenes here, you know, we get the interaction between Lee and Flora, in which Lee's trying to explain what she did, and Flora's still not having it, because she saw Lee stone her father to death. Um, And Lee makes the ultimate sacrifice to stay with Priscilla and be her mother, um, and burn the Roanoke cast to the ground if Flora promises to leave and survive and all this kind of stuff. Um, which I think one of us or a uh, viewer, listener, totally predicted that Lee was going to make a sacrifice at the end. Um, yeah. I feel, feel like this is something we have discussed in the past. Also, I totally called that they would burn the house down at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was a little bit obvious. Yeah. But I, 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 I will. It's a bit of a horror movie trope one. or haunted house trope, right? Yeah, well, yeah, how else do you get rid of the spirits that right. are inside? Although, I don't think that's getting rid of the Roanoke colony, so I don't know what it does to the spirits that haunt the actual house, like the Chens and right. um, the nurses and stuff. Uh, clearly, well, it clearly doesn't do anything because we see Flora and Priscilla right outside after that. Um, and waving to, or sorry, we see Priscilla and Lee, uh, Lee outside waving to Flora in... What I wrote down was like a Star Wars moment where it's like we've got the disembodied spirits waving as they drive away. Right. Uh, and that's the end. And then, of course, we see like the villagers descending on the house again um, or, or on the property. They kill the leftover police. What Thoughts on this whole final sequence? I agree with you. This is where it kind of got a little more disappointing for me. I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was kind of fun. This was the only part that of the whole episode that wasn't trying to mimic a different style of TV show. So that kind of stood out to me a little bit, uh, especially because we cut right from the news reports to this type of a, 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 a shift in, this, in the way it's filmed. Um, I didn't really understand... Like, I understand why... I don't know. Lee is a very selfish person because she wants Flora all to herself and never really recognized that she was a bad mother. (laughs) Uh, And and everything she did is because she's obsessed with her daughter. And as we know, um, with with, uh, Murphy and Falchuk, like, parenting has always been a big uh, theme for the past couple of seasons. But I don't really understand why Lee says, like, she has to die <laughs> to do all this. Why is, uh, you know, I'm surprised that she would, uh, like, do that, take, do that ultimate sacrifice to die and become Priscilla's mother uh, instead of, like, getting Flora to safety and then trying to go be with her, you know? Because yeah. in the past she said, like, I'll, I'll do anything to make sure we're together. And then when it comes down to it, she doesn't want to be together. She wants to really be together. Well, she would have just like died and stayed there as a ghost with Flora as a person, 
Except she didn't want to eat berries I mean, or something. I don't know. I, yeah, I think that we were supposed to see it as a noble sacrifice. Yeah. She realizes that there's no way they will both be together alive at this point. This, this situation, the way it is, um, either they're all going to die because the Roanoke people are going to descend on the house and all the ghosts are going to come out and both her and Flora will be slashed by Pigman. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they both leave and the police are going to blame Lee for all the deaths and all the stuff that's gone on and for kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And she'll never see Flora again there anyway. And she's trying to, you know, I think she also realizes that her relationship with her daughter is so far gone. She needs to do some dramatic action to win her back. And I think we're supposed to feel as if at that last point when they wave at each other out the window that she did redeem herself. Um, You know, all of it felt... uh, I will say that Adina Porter did a good job and I felt like... I. I felt like she was authentic and the character was authentic in that sense. I do also feel like that ending was a little bit corny for me. Um, you know, also told. Also, like you mentioned, it did very much bother me that we had all these. We're seeing everything through different camera lenses, and then we just have this. Uh, you know, With, we return to their story supposedly not through a camera at the end. Yeah. It, and it seems like it wouldn't have been that hard to. I mean, they still had apparently the ghost hunter cameras from. When they talked, I mean, they even made the point of saying, well, we installed, again, we installed right. cameras in every room. So we could have done it through something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, that's the, I don't, I mean, that's, I guess, the only moment in the entire show when we're actually at Roanoke and we're not seeing it through the lens of their cell phones or a TV show, right? This is the first time we're just seeing them. And I think that that was intentional, obviously. Yes, it was yes, supposed to be like, this is the... You know, this is a true, authentic moment that we're going to be present for. Um, and I get why they did it. I just don't know that I liked it. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. There's just, it was something off about, it. you know, the one of the things that bothered me during this scene is that I, like, Priscilla's not developed. I don't need her whole freaking backstory because we got a little bit of that in, like, episode one or two, I think. But I don't, I, you know, her motivations are so vague to me like I know that she was trying to play and be with Flora and she didn't like the butcher but I don't really remember like I don't know I think I need to be refreshed a little more about why I care about Priscilla you know true I hear you because like she's already dead what is the butcher gonna do yeah like Um, I know know. know she looks creepy but so does Priscilla so I don't know and then where did that gun come from (laughs) did did Lee bring with her I guess Lee Lee clearly brought it yeah she's gonna I don't know, shoot the butcher or something like that. Um, of note that this episode was directed by Bradley Buecher, but mm-hmm. it was written by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. So I think it kind of goes to show that they had a clear idea of what the storyline would be leading up to this throughout the entire season. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, before we talk about the season as a whole, uh, it, individual notes on this episode and, and your well, rating. I have one more question for you. So right at the end of this episode, uh, when we kind of pull away and we get kind of a, uh, um, a drone shot, <laughs> if you will, from above the, the burning house and the police lights, there's someone that comes into view with a torch and like, like a, looks like some like wiry, like grayish, whitish hair. Uh, looking uh, down on the whole burning house scene. Did you see that? Yes. Who do you think that was? I assumed it was the butcher. 
um, just kind of being the figurehead of that place, um, and the fact that she had because that figure had a torch, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, so, which made me think it wasn't the wood witch. The wood witch kind of operates in the dark. True. I, it so could have I, been the wood witch, it occurred to me that. But... It could have, but in my mind, it was the butcher. What did you think? I didn't think it was the butcher because the butcher seemed to be. She, I feel like had. I she didn't look like that to me. The brief times I saw her, she had like a yeah. like dark hair or like in like a hat or something. I feel like I can't. Yeah, you know. Um, my first thought was like it was Argus Filch, but that's clearly <laughs> not here. Did have that stringy nasty hair? Yeah, I don't know. I thought it. If it isn't the Wood Witch. Then it's. I think it's got to be a crossover character, you know, from a from something else, which is a possibility. Or the the or like what's going to be coming next season of some sort. But there, I mean, is it? It's, you think there was some kind of foreshadowing? <laughs> foreshadowing, or yeah, foreshadowing of a crossover season or of the next season, um, but something. But I I think that made that makes me more excited to think that we're dropping in like uh the, the like to be continued in a different season in a different set of it did stories. feel that way the way yeah it, the fact that they didn't just end it with floor driving away but they ended it with that mm-hmm. um had a to be continued type feel to it mm-hmm. i think it was also supposed to feel kind of ominous because you could see all the whole roanoke army yep. of sorts marching toward yep. um the burning house Oh yeah. Okay. I want to talk to you about future, you know, ideas for future yeah. seasons. But first uh, okay, I want to yeah. hear what so, you think about. Um, so uh, yes, great episode. Uh, these this the back half of the season I thought was pretty awesome. I said it earlier. It was a very ambitious uh, technique or device to try to use to tell this final chapter of the story through different styles of TV shows. I thought it was kind of fun because I've watched every type of this style of TV show. Um, it really. Um, picked up and shifted in the Atlanta Winters section, which was awesome because it's so great to see Sarah Paulson do that character. Um, and then uh, the it was real fun and exciting. I was never really super scared, but it was fun uh, during the Spirit Chaser segment. I liked that. And then I also um, I enjoyed the news reports as we were going forward. But then the end, eh. Like it kind of it, it fell a little flat for me. It wasn't as dramatic as I would hoped it would be. It, it, I think it was supposed to be an intimate character moment, uh, clearly with Lee, which I appreciate. I just don't think it landed like it could have, and I, I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure out why. It might partially be because of Priscilla. I don't really care what Priscilla's needs are, and I still don't understand why Flora cares that much about Priscilla's needs. Like Grandma and Grandpa right. seem like they're doing a really good job of taking care of her, um, but eh, I don't know. So. Uh, I've, I was all over the episode with my rankings on this, thinking about it. But ultimately, I think I'm going to land on a four. Mm. I want to give it a 4.25 just because I like that they just got crazy with it and tried to be weird with the styling and whatnot. But looking back on it, I'll be like, that was solid. It, the, 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 the fun stuff that they did uh, held up the uh, ending from crashing. <laughs> I I definitely agree with you on the format. I really enjoyed all the different directions we went in terms of, you know, we had the true crime broadcast. We had the newscast um, at the end, like a 24-hour newscast of like a live event. We had the crime, the ghost hunters type uh, broadcast. 
we had the face-to-face, you know, um, 60 minutes interview type scene. Um, I, I guess I don't really know what the, um, what was the, the opening scene was the Paley Fest. I guess that would be, oh, then we had the YouTube videos, and we had two different kinds of YouTube videos. Right. So that was well used. And then we had kind of the Paley Fest, which was, I guess, just kind of like a festival um, being aired of some kind, too. Um, we also had, now that I realize this, like, thinking back, you know, a white man with a gun going after a black person again like uh, like this i think that's been a big theme still too which is sad yeah i mean yeah the race relations have definitely been like we said a more subtle theme yeah. this season um and then you have just the mass shooting aspect mm-hmm. and... right anyway so, yeah so what do you think i yeah so i really enjoyed all those aspects like as you did for me the ending Ah, the ending, like you said, it just didn't quite land. And I I feel bad saying it because I feel like Adina Porter did a really great job this mm-hmm. season. Honestly, it, looking back, I want to talk characters with you after this. But she's got to be, she's got to be, if she, if not the MVP, she's got to be up there. Um, and I think that she really impressed both of us with kind of the way her acting... Uh, especially once we got the full backstory at following My Roanoke Nightmare, um, when we were back in the house, uh, it, I think her character really came alive for us. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it was the Priscilla's, like you said, the the missing information about like why do we care about Priscilla, or for me, frankly, it was like, you know, we've had all this stuff about Flora, but it was kind of like the same old shit we've had before. Like Flora's missing again, and. But it's like we never, and you you hear Lee go on and on about, oh, I want to be a floor and all this stuff, but we don't really see like any sweet, endearing moments about like how, you know, who this kid is or why. Maybe I mean, it's because we didn't care enough about Flora. About yeah. That's almost what I was yeah. thinking, and I was, I was a little bit afraid to say it, but it was like, yeah. This, this, she's been nothing. She, you're really gonna let your mom kill herself so you can go like play grandma and grandpa's instead of like staying with yeah, a ghost it, for your whole life? Come on, right? It was, she just seemed kind of annoying, and it was like I didn't. The sacrifice then didn't feel as um, earned, impactful as I think mm-hmm. it was supposed to be. It's supposed to feel. I agree, and so that's I think that's why it landed a little bit flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and I think because I think you know if it was really going to work, we would feel at the end of this like. Okay, you know, I'm so happy that uh, Lee sacrificed herself so that way Flora could survive. But I kind of came out of it feeling like, ah, eh, Flora survived, but do I really care that much? Mm, not so much, you know. I... And so I think that was maybe a little bit of a disappointment. I don't know if that came from maybe them somehow having developed Flora a little bit more instead of just kind of being this constant damsel in distress that they're irritatingly always seeking out. Uh, I don't know. Um, but that's kind of how it ended up making me feel in the end. And I feel like, unfortunately, that end did end up kind of dro- dropping my enthusiasm for this episode a little bit more. And the score I'm going to give it is just in respect to the season as a whole and the scores I've given other episodes. Because I feel like that stretch, when we transition to my no- Roanoke Nightmare, so that would be episodes 6 through 9, was awesome. I think that it was maybe one of the best series of episodes that we've had in a row, like consistent in terms of consistency, maybe the best stretch we've had of any season. Um, I'd have to, you know, there's a lot of seasons I have to rewatch season one, I think for sure, but some of the others too, to see if I 
felt the same about that. But um, that being said, comparatively, it made it drop a little bit for me. And so thinking about the scores I give out, those episodes, I think I've got to give this a 3.75, which leaves <clears throat> gives us a 7.75. So it drops just a tad. Um, but I don't want that to take away from, like you said, the ambition this episode had in terms of the cool different formats. It's just the ending. Also, yeah, it, the, end, the ending, I think, could have been done differently in a more effective manner. Um, tell me about some of your... From this season, uh, let's talk. Well, first, okay. So let's start by talking from the season. How does how do you feel like the season stacks up against the other seasons? Let's do our regular ranking oh, of the seasons. I wrote this out like like in the middle like of a commercial break because I knew you'd ask this. Um, I think Asylum still lands at number one for me, and real close behind is Roanoke. Really close behind is Roanoke. I want to sit on Roanoke for you know a couple months and return to it in my mind and see how I feel about it later. It might move up, but I really liked Roanoke, so this is definitely number two for me. And then Murder House got bumped down from the second spot to number three. And then Hotel, Coven, and then Freak Show. Although like there are moments in Coven that were better than Hotel, and there are moments in Hotel that were better than Coven. Oh, well, I mean, even there was even glimpses in Freak Show that I really super enjoyed yeah. in terms of things with Dandy and um, just Twisty none of that, and stuff like that. All too. those songs and stuff and Freak the, Show just the, I, drug it down. Yeah, I think, you know, when we're talking about those other seasons, we're thinking of consistency. And we're talking yeah. about cohesive seasons as a whole. Yeah, so Asylum, Roanoke, Murder House, Hotel, Coven, Freak Show. What's your, what's your order? It's interesting because mine did something similar, but I have different rankings than you, so... Similarly, Roanoke is my number two, but I but Murder House has always been my number right. one, and it stays it has stayed my number one. But it bumped Asylum to that's three. what I figured. Yeah, 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 totally. Yep. And then I think my rankings are similar after that. It's Hotel, Coven, Freak Show, uh, following. Um, so yeah, so it's it's funny how we we both <laughs> I, I you know and I and I could tell by when we were talking about the season and giving it ratings that we both were pretty high on the season mm-hmm. and I think we really liked a lot of the things they did in this season and this it kind of felt like the show needed a little bit of a I don't know a kick in some form yeah um, talk to me about characters yes from this season your favorite characters and your least favorite characters and then I want to talk about how they fit into kind of the, our favorite characters in the series. I think um, Sarah Paulson, pretty much whoever she plays, has been, I really enjoy. Um, I loved how different, so the first six episodes when she's playing uh, Shelby, it's, remember there are moments where like, you forget that they're actually actors doing a reenactment, uh, because they were so good, and we, al- we always joked about like, wow, if you get like Sarah Paulson and Angela Bassett. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. to play your main characters in a reenactment, you're 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 paying out some pretty good money, but they they brought it, and I really liked Sarah as Shelby, and I I really liked her um, as Audrey because it was it was the comic relief character in a way that we didn't really have. I mean, Rory kind of was that, but he wasn't around long enough. He died so quickly. Yeah. yeah. But Sarah Paulson's uh, interpretation of Audrey was there's, there, there were moments of 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 um, humor in, in her the way she would react to things or just quick phrase she would say uh, so I really liked that I thought I think she she held it 
held her own in that. And then she was great as Lana Winters too. Like I, it was great to see that character. So, but I think um, Audrey turned out to be pretty fun. Lee turned out to be very complex and 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 different. So I enjoyed that. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think that it would be as successful if Adina Porter hadn't like done such a good job with it. Uh huh. Um, and then outside of that, Kathy Bates as Agnes was pretty damn hilarious. <laughs> like she was nutty, but also very like scary with how how uh, like serious she was. So I, I, Kathy Bates was pretty great too, and she wasn't in it as much either. Um, so I think I would give those three kind of my top spots, uh, depending on which episode. Uh, it would be between Sarah Paulson playing um, the. Audrey or um, Adina Porter playing Lee, IRL Lee, uh, in the six to nine that I really think are the top two best. So I don't know. Who yeah. do you think are your favorites or top? You know, and it, after, after the first five episodes, I was very high on Andre Holland, but I feel like he fell off for me after the um, my Roanoke Nightmare mm-hmm. ended. Um, there's a lot of characters that I just want that I thought were just fun in their quick bursts in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that Cheyenne Jackson as Sydney was oh, a very yeah, entertaining character um, that I very much enjoyed. Um, excuse me. And then you know uh, Leslie Jordan, I, I loved in his little cameo role. Um, as as did I enjoyed Dennis O'Hare too. But so the ones that stood out to me the most. I think, like you said, we got to give Idina Porter big props for kind of. I mean, she kind of took on the role of the star of the season. I would say. I mean, obviously Sarah Paulson is always there, and you know, if she's not Audrey or Shelby, she's Lana. Mm-hmm. But it, it's kind of interesting how the season ended up being about Lee in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time we've wrapped things up, and it's not where we saw things going at the beginning, which is kind of interesting. I love that, and I think that she pulled it off by really being so strong throughout the second half of the season and not your classic uh uh final girl yeah um i definitely want to give like you said props to kathy bates's agnes i think i think that might be my favorite kathy bates character from any season of american horror story Ooh, honestly i could see i that. think i like it better than you know i guess her character from coven would be second <laughs> for me was, um with queenie but we kind of thought that she was irritating in hotel um, as kind of the naggy mother, mm-hmm. and uh, Freak Show is the woman with the beard. She had that weird accent, and she like, always he felt bad for accent. her. But she does always have an accent. But I actually enjoy it. like it felt fun in this one. Yeah. And finally, I think that the other person that I um, really wanted to toss some props to. Uh, shit! What was I going to say? Lily Rabe. No, damn it. I had it in my head, and when we were talking, it completely slipped me. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, in the meantime, I wanted to ask what you thought of Gaga, and because I, I think this is interesting that she became, she went from being a, like the focus the of last season to like nothing in this season. Um, do you think that she's gonna like she's not really I, gonna be in future seasons? I mean, I'm she sure won an she Emmy will. for her last one. Uh, Golden Globe. Golden Globe. Sorry, you're Golden Globe. Whoa, whoa, definitely not an Emmy. <laughs> Definitely not an Emmy. Um, I think it was smart not to have her in a role in this one because it would be very distracting uh, seeing Lady Gaga. Like, in Hotel, that's kind of like her music video persona anyway, so it kind of works. 
in in that in in the hotel uh, season. But for this one, I feel like it would be distracting. So I'm really okay with only seeing her for ten minutes or whatever it was. Um, I agree. You know, I and agree. I I feel like that'll be unpopular because I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of people who watch American Horror Story are like huge Gaga fans. Um, and I am in a way, but not always as an actress and not saying she's bad, but it, it, you know, um, it was nice. I, I wasn't distracted by it. Well, and I think that being said, it doesn't, it's not any criticism of her necessarily. It's mm-hmm. sometimes just with these actors, a little bit of a lighter touch ends up working. And like we, you know, we can't have too many characters. And I think that was to this season's benefit. Um, some of the guys we used just a little bit, like uh, Rory was a fun character because we just had him a little bit. Briefly, um, yeah. Yep. Jether, you know, Finn Wittrock was kind of entertaining because we just had him a little bit. Right. I like that. I like that. That's, that maybe like huge main people from the previous season aren't going to be main in the next season. They're going to be smaller or if they're even there. And then we are cameos. And then yeah. we push some other people up to the to the T- lead. Teresa Farmiga. Yeah. The other person that I wanted to give big props to actually was Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, he Dominic. was great. I thought that you know he I was kind of so so on him as Matt in the first Me half too. of the season, but he I really came to like him in the second half yep. as like the reality show villain. He's uh, great. I thought he really was. He kind of was a breakout, and I I wanted to give him some serious props for yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I. In hand in hand with that, I want I want to talk about West, the West Bentley problem because <laughs> I just think it you know the poor guy you know he I you can tell he tries <laughs> yeah I just think he's so flat and I don't know if it's the characters they're giving him maybe it is but even when he was the army guy who showed up last season it was like when he died it was like okay you just yeah. kind of shrug it off you know yeah. yeah I think that was like his best character he's played though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say there because, you know, it's not like he's not talented. He's talented. Um, but just the characters haven't really worked with him or for him are not as believable, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Unless his yeah. goal in the reenactment was to play a shitty actor. Because that, that's the case. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. I like that. In which case, I wish they just made that more clear. Because yeah, then... yeah. <laughs> Just like, you know um, how we talked about in the first six episodes how um, Rory or Evan Peters' uh, uh, accent and and stuff was really hilarious and, like, or it was really, like, over the top, just kind of like a lot of his characters have been recently. Um, yeah. But this one seemed a little almost too over the top. Well, yeah, it was because he's an actor trying to do this, like, really big thing. And I, I think knowing that in the back, after, like, seeing what happens that he was an actor trying to play this character was pretty funny. So yeah, yeah I agree. West Bentley. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, was there any characters from this season that you feel like carry, you know, so thinking of some of my favorite characters of all time, if I'm looking back at past seasons, um, Tate is always going to hold, hold strong from season one and Constance love them both. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from last season, uh, Liz Taylor is going to be really mm. up there for me. It's one of my all-time favorites. Even though I've said Freak Show is one of my least favorite seasons, I really do love Dandy and Twistiest mm-hmm. characters. You did, um, yeah. They were they're some of my absolute uh, favorites of all time. And I'm trying to think if there was anybody from Coven or Asylum that really fit into that for I me. I liked Queenie and Coven. Um, Queenie was fun in Coven. Well, I mean, there's a lot of fun characters in Coven. I, Emma Roberts' character was 
fun. Hilarious. She, well, she plays that character in everything now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That they just made a Scream Queens based on that character mm-hmm. essentially. Um. Yeah. I don't, Asylum. I don't know if there was any. I mean, Doctor Threadson was good. So Zachary Quinto was good as Bloody Face, and then also. Um, James Cromwell's character was also I, good. I, I don't know that they were. Sister Jude became really cool and fascinating to me. That's tr- that's true. That's true. I think in in terms of Jessica Lange's top characters, it was probably her and Con- that and Constance were. Yeah, I think so. Up there, but I don't know if there's any characters for me from this season that are going to carry on like that. Do you think? Do you see that? Being hey, the case? It's it's a little more challenging because we had so many characters who were playing other characters. So you know. I think, I think that. So that's why I say, like, I think maybe Kathy Bates's Agnes sticks out with me a little bit because she was a little one of the more quirky, very well established, crazy characters. Right. Maybe Sarah Paulson's uh, Audrey. Uh, Audrey. Yeah, I can see. I've, that. We haven't mentioned Angela Bassett. I think Angela Bassett did like solid job too. She's. She was a little more restrained with her sassiness. Not that it's... I'm not trying to say she's a cliche sassy, but um, when she was... Anyway, she was good. I like her a lot. I hope she sticks around for next season. Yeah, I always enjoy her, and she was one of those ones that... She was always present, but she, like, hit very well. Did a good job of taking a kind of a supporting role. Yeah. Uh, So a couple of uh, final things of note. Um... One thing that one of our listeners asked me, and I kind of wanted to bring it up, is I don't know if it was last season or a couple seasons ago, actually, that we had discussed each season of the show um, maybe representing a Ring of Hell and Dante's Inferno. I think there have been some theories floated around about that. Um, so there are nine Rings of Hell. Um, and I don't, uh, Treachery, fraud, violence, heresy, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, and limbo, technically. Um, and so we, some of these we had discussed before. We discussed Murder House being lust, Asylum maybe being fraud in terms of, I think, Sister Jude uh, dressing up as someone else and stuff. Coven was treachery because it was all about stabbing people in the back and all that stuff. Um, and I don't think we actually ended up doing any after Coven or discussing this any further. I was trying to think about this, whether or not... Yeah, and gluttony made sense for Hotel to me. Um, because you have all these people who are so dedicated to excess that seemed like the kind of the theme of everything, whether it was just total uh, kind of that glamorous lifestyle or you know sucking a bunch of blood or whatever. It, you know, having this ap- these uh, appetites seemed to be what uh, hotel represented. Roanoke it seemed like could fit into anger. Um, because that's kind of, you know, that's what drove the people of Roanoke and what drives Lee and all this different stuff, too, to, to kill people. Um, but I don't know. At Freak Show, I couldn't come up with one for I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. No, I think that's, I mean, it's, it sounds like it could be good, but I think that's, like, trying to label one season one of those things is going to be too much. Because there's too many. Yeah, I agree. At this point, there's like, you know, I think they're, I mean, we're going to be in, ep- in season seven, but it seems like they've already got like the next five seasons plotted out. So we're going to go well beyond nine. Yeah. Nine possible things. And a lot of these now seem like crossovers. So I think that they could, you know, you can apply, I mean, heck, you could have, heck, hell, you could apply violence or any number of these lost to a lot of these different seasons. Um, so it might not be. 
so easy to characterize. Now, in terms of themes for next season, the one thing we pretty much know is that I guess they're bringing back some characters from Freak Show. Uh, whether this means a kind of prologue or whether we're talking descendants of people from Freak Show, it's not really clear. Um, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on what it could be or ideas of what you'd like to see. Uh, well, I guess it can't be summer camp then. <laughs> Which would have been a good yeah, one. Yeah, I think that would be one I'm hoping they're just putting in their pocket. I don't know. Freak Show... I do think that would be a lot of fun. I'm curious what characters they'll be just because... I don't know. It, the Freak Show had kind of a novelty to it because of these characters who had weird things or strange oddities about their physical appearances. So if that happens, if we have some of those characters for another season, it's going to feel to me like it's the same thing almost like they're gonna have to deal mm-hmm. with the same issues right like oh you, you're weird looking I, so i don't know i i'm actually extremely skeptical of using characters from freak uh, from freak show in another season uh just because they are the most unflexible i think uh to use in another season so i i don't know what it will be i, I and i i just hope they just pass through and aren't used as main focal points uh, yeah, I hear you. Maybe there would be some kind of stepping in crossover like we've seen you know, like with Lana or something like that. Um, I was thinking about this, and there's certain storylines that I think could possibly work. If you, you know, we discussed this before, and I know this has been shared with us by a number of people on, you know, Facebook. The, doing, going back to some kind of alien theme, doing an Area 51 type thing. I think maybe that would be one of the things that could kind of work with freak show characters. I it's not clear how much they're going to be a focal point, um, but I agree with you that kind of like the thing is it, the only other thing I see working is the asylum kind of thing, and we've already done that. Right. So I don't unless know unless some of the characters unless it's like a like a hills have eyes nuclear experiment type thing where it creates mm. disfigurements. Yeah, yeah, I could. Okay, I could see that. Actually, that would be that's a very great idea. That's a great idea. I think that <laughs> you it, hear that, that would also kind of uh, Ryan and Brad, <laughs> and that would kind of fit if you did something in that kind of you know that. So, do you remember what time period Freak or Freak Show took place in? Was it sixties, fifties, sixties? So, if we went back even further, you know, testing the atomic bomb or something like that. Um, you could do some interesting stuff because you could take place in like New Mexico and you could also mix in kind of a Roswell Area 51 type thing with it and do aliens and you could do nuclear bomb testing and maybe that's affecting, I don't know, having an effect on the on some of these people. And then you could do like human testing too um, with some of the weird stuff they were doing. Yeah. You know what I like hope biomedic- You know what I hope I they eventually like do? I thought about this today. I really hope they do just a straight up good old fashioned like monster movie, like monster, like uh, whether it be something like Cloverfield esque, or mm-hmm. if it's like the thing, you know, where you're isolated in the Antarctic. Or you know, I think there's a lot of cool monster stuff that have we haven't done any of that yet. That's true. We've had like a monsters make an appearance, but they've always been kind of side characters. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, you know, Pigman in this season, right? Or um, the Minotaur and Coven. Yeah. Cre- yeah, the creatures have never been the primary antagonist in any season. Yeah. 
or like swamp thing you know like like an actual monster that's it that's terrifying and yeah. I, I know that's going to be hard to do for like 10 episodes so there's got to be other things involved but it'd be really cool if there was some sort of that i think that needs to happen at some point i i'm really digging this whole like uh hills have eyes meets um nuclear bomb testing mm-hmm. human experiments and and also aliens like a new mexico type thing yep um i'm feeling that i, I hope that's direct <laughs> um the last question I was going to have for you is, is there any actors we haven't seen this season or in a while that you hope are going to come back? Or actors from this season you, you also hope come back? I, I mean, I, we only got Frances Conroy for one episode, and I always am a big fan of hers. I think she's really great. Uh, be nice to see her again. I don't think we'll see Emma Roberts because she's got her own TV show now. I mean, maybe she'll she'll cameo. I don't know. Um Who? While well, I'm thinking of this, who do you think you'd like to see come back? Uh, so I was actually, I was, yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, John Carroll Lynch is a guy who I mm. think was really creepy He's as great. Twisty. Um, who we didn't get to see that much of. He was, you know, we got rid of him pretty quickly. But I think he he makes a great creepy character, and I think he'd be fun to bring back. Zachary Quinto, I don't think we've seen since. Right. Freak Show. He's a big movie star now, Um, (laughs) though. He is is a big movie star. So I would just like, even in a creepy cameo role, he would be nice. Um, Kate Mara is someone we only had in season one. She's a great actress. uh, She's kind of a movie star now, too. Yeah, but I still think, you know, they have the star power to pull some people. I mean, Tom Hardy's starring in a show on FX now. They can bring some of these people back here and there. Ryan Murphy certainly has the leverage to do that. Right. Another one I wrote is Lance Reddick, who played Papa Legba in Coven, who which was a great character, but like that's all he's done, and he's I love him in The Wire. He's a great love actor. Him the Wire. Not some, not someone who has been greatly utilized, and I think he would be a lot of fun to come back and and, and play more with. From this season, Cuba Gooding Jr. I think I would, would definitely like to see again in different roles he's it was kind of fun for this to be yeah. his comeback i mean this, this obviously american crime story was his real comeback but um ryan he's murphy is kind year. of yeah really kind of revitalized his career so i think he would be fun to see too um yeah man it is incredible to think that we've already gone through a whole season and we're gonna have to wait however long before we we revisit this yeah Oh, one more thing I thought. Why didn't... So why did Lee come back right away as a ghost and the other ones, when they died, they didn't come back as a ghost right away? That was kind of weird to me. And that didn't make sense. Yeah. A little I, bit of a hole know, there. We, I, I, I was about to say, I could make some excuse about maybe the house burning down or something like that, but honestly, I think it was just a good plot device because they needed to show that Flora forgave her. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, that's I think that that adds to kind of why we felt like the end fell apart here. Um, overall, the season has been absolutely awesome. I think they did a great job, kind of revitalizing the series as a whole by making it changing it up a little bit. And I know some people aren't gonna like it because it's not your standard American horror story where it's like tons of monsters and 
and demons and ghosts and uh, and serial killers all wrapped up into one <laughs> and aliens wrapped up into one season. This one is a much more simpler one, and I think it's more successful because of that. I really think it is, and that's how I I, I appreciate the storytelling in this one so much more than uh, almost all the other seasons. You know what I want to invite people to do is after you listen to this episode, go to our Facebook page and rank. In the comments for this episode, rank your seasons. Yeah, like we cool do. Because um, I'm very curious to hear if we're anomalies in the seasons that we enjoy and everyone else has very different favorites or if there's kind of a consensus. It would be kind of fun to see. So, yeah, go on there and, and share what you think, um, everybody who's out there. And I guess with that, Aww. I want to thank everybody for listening this season. It's, you know, it's always... It means a lot for Chris and I to have, you know people that we're talking to um i think that we would just be doing this anyway even if it was only him and i talking over skype every week but uh to have people who actually listen and enjoy interacting with us and share theories and stuff makes it all the more Mm -hmm. and the fact that you guys interact with each other too is pretty awesome it's pretty awesome we appreciate you all and we enjoy the community true um final notes as always check us out on facebook send us emails uh, rate us on itunes all those things. We appreciate everything. Uh, Chris, where can people catch you between now and when we meet again? Season seven. Uh, I will be on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K and Snapchat, the Chris Husted. Uh, what about you, Tyler? Find me on um, Twitter and Instagram at TJ Moss 11. I'm yeah. Instagram. I'm, I'm sporadic with, but I tweet pretty often. So, we appreciate y'all. Have a great, uh, have a great holiday season. Um, See you next year. Yeah, Croatoa. Until then, guys. <laughs> you should say that at the end of every episode. Now you say Croatoa, and I'll say Happy Hanukkah. All right. All right. Croatoa. <laughs>